0: will inbound, He gets it over to the doctor. Time all game. Here's the shot, Julius. He, he stars! scores! He scores! At the buzzer, and the Nets win 120 to 118.
1: I think we see Willis coming out. Here comes Willis. And the crowd is going wild. The New York Pickleboxes have won the 1969-70 World Championship of Basketball.
0: Carter over to Kidd. Baseline drive.
1: Kid throws it up. Oh! How did he do it? Randall on the drive, stripped by Butler. Randall gets it back. Randall puts up a three. Bang! Bang! Randall knocks down the three with seven tenths of a second remaining. With full court press coverage on all of the signings, trades, big games, and everything Knicks, Nets, and across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome to a very special edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV's exclusive NBA podcast. And the reason it's very special at the time of recording today on Thursday, February 8th, it's around 1 p.m. We're two hours away, a little under now from the nba 2023-24 trade deadline and just before we started recording here lots and lots of deals going down and specifically with the brooklyn nets and the new york knicks keeping it local but obviously we'll get into a whole bunch of trade deadline news as it nears during our show today but what's going on everybody i'm will talent i'm joined by brendan shory and evan harkin and guys what a day it is to be on Pick and Pod. How are both of you guys doing today?
0: Yeah, I mean, I really, really can't complain. I mean, it's one of, if not the best episode to be on Pick and Pod, and glad to be here talking some basketball, talking, and uh, going, going to the Mavs' next game tonight. So, couldn't be more excited about that. So, overall, I mean, great, great day to be here.
2: Yeah, as a Knicks fan. Not super excited for the Mavs Knicks game tonight, but excited about the trades we just made. Uh, was a little upset when all I saw was Alec Burks. You know, Woj giving us a little, a little scare for a second there, but around the NBA, like you said, couldn't be a better day to be on pick and pod.
1: Yeah, as you said, Evan, Alec Burks, that's where we're going to start with the headline for the New York Knicks today, and not just Alec Burks, but Bojan Bogdanovich heading from Detroit to New York. The Knicks. They lengthened out that depth a little bit on the bench after losing Emmanuel quickly and RJ Barrett earlier before the trade deadline. That was probably the first big trade that we saw, uh, if you want to categorize it as a deadline kind of deal. But um, the Knicks make some moves today and moves that they desperately need to really, really deepen that bench a little bit. It was really floundering, especially with Julius Randle getting hurt, OG and Inouye not playing, and now even more so. Jalen Brunson, probably going to miss his, if you want to call it revenge game, one of them against the Dallas Mavericks as they return, excuse me, as they make the trip to Madison Square Garden for tonight, 730 tip off for that one. But let's get into this trade right now, guys. This is a big trade. The Knicks are sending Quentin Grimes. That's kind of sad, I'm going to say right now, just because that's probably the with the exception of deuce mcbride i think that's the last homegrown guy the knicks have over the last like four drafts or so so kind of sad to see but at the same time this is what as a knicks fan you should be hoping for this is where you wanted leon rose and his brass to get your team and they're kind they're putting something together now quentin grimes two future second round picks will head to uh detroit for alec burks and then they switched around and they pulled another trade uh, I believe this was a whole separate trade. Alec Burks was a and Quentin Grimes was one trade, and then Bojan Bogdanovich was uh, his own trade as well. So the first trade, Alec Burks for Quentin Grimes and two second round picks, and then the second one immediately following was Bojan Bogdanovich for this was a big one: Evan Fournier, Malachi Flynn, Ryan Archidiacono. Oh man, and an additional two seven, uh, second round picks. So started off right now, Evan, what do we think about this trade? How do you like it as a Knicks faithful fan here? How do you like this trade for this season, the next season moving forward? Because a lot of pieces, familiar pieces from this year's team completely gone. Now going to have a whole new look once this trade deadline is over.
2: I love the trade, especially for right now where the Knicks are and especially due to the injuries that the Knicks have. We know, OG Ananobi day to day but Tom Thibodeau literally could not be more vague in general when he's returning all he says is it's medical when people ask for a time frame so not truly day to day we haven't seen him in quite a few games now Julius Randle was estimated for two to three weeks that should be about one to two weeks now but what the Knicks need is scores and quite frankly Quentin Grimes wasn't getting that done like you said a younger guy a homegrown guy but Right now, the Knicks are looking to win in seven points per game, 36% from three from Grimes. Wasn't getting it done. It isn't filling the shoes that they need to fill in the scoring department with top scorers out. But somebody who can do that is Bojan Bogdanovich, 20 points per game, 41% from three. And even Alec Burks, 12 and a half points per game, 40% from three. So way better stats. Obviously the age is a difference there. I think a good trade for both sides. If you're the Pistons, you want a twenty three year old instead of a thirty-two 32- and thirty-four year old. But if you're the Knicks, that's exactly what you need right now.
0: Yeah, I mean the Knicks are the Knicks are contending right now and we've seen them we saw them make another move earlier this year in the Oz Ananobi trade. And for them it's it's kind of win now mode. And so you it, you didn't know it was a guaranteed thing that there was going to be another move made, but you were pretty sure that the Knicks were going to go out and, and grab some more some more veteran pieces, some more offensive-minded players who could come in and, and give them the scoring they needed. And that's exactly what they did with this trade, is, especially with Bojan Bogdanovic. I mean, we've seen him all throughout his career. He's been a consistent three-point shooter, knocking down, you said it, at 41% this year from three, uh, 20 points a game on the Pistons. Um, and it's it's a great addition to a team that was looking to add more scoring, especially with all the injuries right now.
1: They needed more scoring regardless of the injuries or not, as both of you guys are alluding to. This team, this Knicks team, just making more and more moves to keep themselves in the fight, really pushing for that second seed, I would say, in the East. It's definitely within striking range for them as long as they get their two all-stars back in Brunson and Randall. Big things coming up for New York. It's going to be a whole different looking ball team once These two all-stars come back in Brunson and Randall, but let's talk about Jalen Brunson for a second and we'll redirect our pod here today. Back to the trades towards the end of the show. Let's talk some Knicks though, because of these injuries, Jalen Brunson now on the shelf game by game. He's a game time decision tonight. I want to say though, he's most likely not going to make an appearance um, as he is out, but um What does that mean for the Knicks, Brendan? They're playing Dallas, a team that had beat them before they went on this run with all of their normal starting rotation, their bench rotations. What does that mean? And we'll get into the the rest of the Knicks schedule in February because it's going to end pretty fast, and they have a very winnable schedule. What do the Knicks have to do, and what is the impact – of the absence of Jalen Brunson for this team moving forward for this month? Oh, I think it's
0: going to be huge. I mean, Brunson has, especially since the, the Randall injury, he's been like the heart and soul of this team. He's been their go-to guy. He's, he's been dropping 30 a game. He's, he's the guy who's closing out game. And if you're without who the guy who is right now your best player, it's definitely going to hurt them a lot more than I think they think it will. He has been... Instrumental to the, to the Knicks' offense to their hot streak recently. of uh, I don't even know how many they've won, but they won on a streak where they were, they looked unstoppable. They looked like the best team in, in the NBA, and he's been a huge part of that. And so I think that that absence of Brunson is definitely going to hurt them tonight. And against the Mavs team, is coming off a, a win, a good win in Brooklyn, who has not been who's been kind of streaky this year, but they're they're finally healthy. They're making these trades. I think that the loss of Brunson will definitely hurt the Knicks a decent amount, enough to where the the Mavs will have a good chance.
2: Yeah. I think the Mavs have a great chance as do most other teams in the NBA without Brunson. I mean, this is, this is the scoring, the heart and soul of the team for sure. I think even with Randall there this year, it was clear that Brunson kind of took that next step over him. This was obviously his team, such a closer, such a threat when the game's on the line, but We've seen it with Randall out. When when Brunson gets double-teamed late in game, the Knicks don't know who to go to to score. Dante DiVincenzo has stepped up huge, but he kind of requires a good pass. He's not really a shot creator. He's more of a shot maker. So you really need that guy who we kind of lost in Emmanuel quickly. Not that I'm going to say that was a bad trade or anything, but we could really use him right now to be a shot creator. I think the Knicks need Jalen Brunson or Julius Randle with – with both of them out, especially with OG and Anobi out too, this this really isn't too good of a team. It's still a deep roster, still a team that should beat the bad teams in the league and has the rebounding in defense to keep it competitive. But I think they really need their one or two in Brunson or Randall, specifically Brunson to really beat the good teams in the NBA.
1: Yeah, right now obviously they they're very very much banged up, but they're definitely holding their own. I'm very impressed. They keep winning ball games, and they're the fourth seed without their their big three essentially, and OG Julius and Jalen. So all three of them being out, and they're still winning ball games as you should. Kind of like in every sport, you're playing the Memphis Grizzlies, even though you don't have those three guys. If you want to compete with Boston and Milwaukee, those teams of this of this league, you have to win those games. When you don't have your all-NBA guys, you have to take care of bad teams. It's the same story in all sports. If you want to compete, you got to take care of bad teams. They did that. Now it's going to be a challenge because Dallas is on a whole different level than Memphis. If the Knicks can take down a Dallas Mavericks team this battered and bruised, we're looking at a very, very special ball club in my opinion. But I, I really like the addition of Alec Burks. I like what you're saying too here, Evan, about shot creation. I really wanted him to go out and get a Malcolm Brogdon. They went out and got scorers. That's fine because Alec Burks has a very good familiarity with Tom Thibodeau. Played two, two, two and a half years, three years for him for the Knicks, something along those lines. Can't remember off the top of my head, but now he's back in the same system and with better players in the same system. I'm very excited to see how Alec Burks... Shakes out because they have him listed as a shooting guard because he's always been that kind of scorer. However, with the Knicks, he was really a solid combo guard in, in terms of being a point guard and a shooting guard off the bench for those kinds of Knicks teams that they were going out last uh two, three years or so. Now he's back in the rotation. So I really like that in terms of the familiarity. And adding Bogdanovich too is that's huge. Uh, it, it's going to add so much more scoring off the bench. They need to pack a punk, punch off the bench, especially without Manuel quickly, who's giving you 25 a game. So hopefully Boyan could be that bench piece. We'll see how his starter minutes will translate to bench minutes with the Knicks. But I like the work that they've done. Still got about an hour and 45 minutes to go in this trade deadline. But Brendan, you bring up the the Nets, Kyrie Irving. His return to the Barclays Center. Let's shift gears. Let's go over to Brooklyn now. And you know what? Before I even mention that Kyrie Irving dropped 36 points in his Barclays debut, or in his Barclays return, that was just hilarious. Uh, They, in terms of the Nets, finally made a trade. They made a trade. A lot of speculation, especially throughout all of our shows at FUV. A lot of speculation on what the Nets would do. They trade the disgruntled Spencer Dinwiddie and Dennis Smith Jr. to the Toronto Raptors for Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young. To me, it's not a trade that's completely jumping off the page, but it was a piece that the Nets, in terms of Spencer Dinwiddie, they had to move. So Evan, your thoughts on the Nets, I guess, first move of the deadline and where can you see them going? Because they still got a guy like Lonnie Walker, who I think you should be all over trying to trade a guy like Lonnie Walker this year.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. I thought, like you said, there would be more of a page jumper, a little bit bigger of of a trade if the Nets were going to make one. I I didn't think the Nets were going to make any trades. Kind of my theory on the Nets this whole season was they were waiting it out, letting their good young players continue to get better, and then they have so much draft capital and free space next season. It's one of the most in the NBA. So I assume that's when they were going to make their moves I don't really see how they're getting too much better from this move or too much worse. Um, maybe they're filling some some contract voids here. I'm not really sure what the Nets are attempting to do with this, but I don't think it's going to make them a lot better or a lot worse. They should continue to be that kind of mid-tier, middle-of-the-pack East team that they have been all season.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's not def- definitely not a flashy move. I think it's going to... What you said, Evan, it's not going to move the, the Nets a whole lot. I think you're trading away Dinwiddie, who was, wasn't was super happy with being there, and uh, you're you're bringing in a, a similar style of, of point guard in Dennis Schroeder. Um, I, I, they were shopping guys like Dinwiddie, Finney Smith, who I'm actually kind of surprised they didn't move, um, guys of that caliber. Because, I mean, you're sitting at a position where you're not contending but you may not have a first round pick next year. And so it's kind of, it's a kind of difficult situation for the Nets to be in. And so I'm a little surprised they didn't make a move that one, one that would jump off the page and and scream and grab your attention. But I don't, I don't really love this move because it didn't do a whole lot for them. I don't think it did a whole lot for either team.
1: Yeah. this is definitely going to, um, I think this is more of a, you know, like what kind of thing. I I don't want to, put numbers or or grades on it at all. It just happened like 20 minutes ago. Uh, it's just more of a head scratcher for me for the nets uh, because now I'm looking at their lineup and I'm like, you know, whenever Ben Simmons comes back, where is he getting minutes? It's coming off the bench now, but Dennis shoulder is not really a shooting guard. He, I guess he can be, but he, he wants to be a point guard. He's always wanted to be a point guard. Ben Simmons is a point guard. So I, I don't really know. And there were no picks involved in this trade. Maybe there's something bigger coming for the Nets, but Dennis Schroeder and Thaddeus Young just do not match up with what the Nets, and in, in my eyes, what they should be doing right now. Um, they kind of backed themselves in a corner from signing KD and Kyrie from day one of that. Didn't work out. And and now we're kind of looking at the repercussions of the failed big three in Brooklyn. And you know, I, I don't necessarily love bringing up the failed big three but i feel like a lot of the moves that they're going to make for the foreseeable future are going to be because of how bad the big three was in brooklyn and i say bad they were great together they just never played together so they played like what 16 games together or something like that and a lot of the move the corresponding moves now even though we're over a year removed from this big three it, it's showing it's showing so the nets they have a lot of Things to work out here. Let's talk about that Mavericks game real quick before we really break down a lot of the trades because more and more trades are coming right now. To stay on the topic of the of the Raptors real quick, they just got Kelly Olynyk from the Jazz about two hours ago. That's a big trade, Kelly Olynyk, Very solid stretch four, stretch five kind of guy going to Toronto. That's why I don't necessarily hate this trade for Toronto because they're making corresponding moves. They've been making moves the whole season. So this is more of like a head scratcher for the Nets, terms of the Raptors they can really go wherever they've traded pretty much everybody and they've done pretty well in their returns but uh 36 points for Kyrie Irving against the Brooklyn Nets in his return to the Barclays center that was one heck of a game and no better way for Kyrie Irving to return to Brooklyn um I you know kind of like I, I really i did not mind what he said at the end people were asking him you know is this going to be emotional like all this and that and he was like you know it's just basketball then and personally that was kind of how his nets tenure went it was just basketball so 35 and 8 35 18 and 9 for luca 30 uh, 36 2 and 5 for kyrie let's talk about luca for a second though and i'll bring it to you first brendan where do you see him where- a ranking in terms of the mvp conversation and how can he improve his chances especially with joel Embiid hitting the shelf
0: i see him as one of the top guys and and a lot of people especially like you look at the the nba rankings right now they don't have him listed very high they have guys like like Jokic, like shy um listed over him i think he should be in that one or two slot and i think the other guy should be now that we know that Embiid's not going to play enough games to get it, I think that it's one and two should be Luka and Jokic. I think a lot of people are saying Shai is better, and, and Shai's having a great year, but, but the stuff that Luka is doing is averaging a 30, 32, 33-point almost triple-double. Uh, that you, just, you don't see that happen a lot at all, and you definitely don't see that with any other candidate this year. Jokic is averaging a double-double with like 25, but but you look at Luca's stats and then how he has played and what he needs to do is, is just to keep keep playing the way he is i mean looking at like it to me it's ridiculous when you look back at past games and you see even if we just look at this next game 35 18 and 9 like that's just not normal and and you see a guy go out there and do that and he's not very high highly ranked by the NBA in the, in the MVP voting and so i think that he should be Near the top, and I think that if he keeps playing the way he's been
2: playing, he will be. Yeah, I totally agree. I was one of the shy guys earlier on in the season for sure. I thought he was having a little bit better start to the season, but Lucas just, just has been on a come up since the season started. He's just been adding points, rebounds, and assists to his average right now, 34 and a half points on 48 percent, and that's almost 50, a little under 40 for three. But like you said, Brendan, almost a triple double. So not like he's just a scorer right now, which maybe he was his rookie second season. He's really just an overall all around one of the best players in the league. And I'd have to agree with you. I think it's very close between him and Jokic right now. I don't even think Jokic is a secured one. I don't love using this metric, but one thing that runs through my mind is I think that the Mavericks are a lot worse team around him than the Nuggets are around Jokic, which helps you with points. And I think that matters a lot more for MVP than some people think so with that being said and how Luka has been playing and getting better and better I would say I would not be surprised that all if Luka turns into the number one going on but right now I'd have it at Jokic one Luka two just out of respect for Jokic
1: yeah I think if Luka personally this is like a very futuristic take if Luka really wants to win consecutive MVPs or I think the Mavericks really need to get a front a, a superstar front court piece and not necessarily a backcourt tandem between I, I think Kyrie and Luca is great. I mean they both scored thir- over 35 points in that one game, but I think if you really want to get the most out of Luca, you need to go the Porzingis route that you tried to go, but go bigger instead of going with Kyrie, in my in my opinion, if you're the Mavericks, but you know, um, and he's an automatic bucket. I mean, he's he's got... He dropped 73 the other night. Um, Yeah, I think Shea Gilgis Alexander, I think is still way up there for me because the Thunder are really good and he has a lot to do with how good they are. Him and Chet Holmgren, going to be a scary, scary duo for years to come on top of the unbelievable depth that that team has. Uh, but Luka Doncic, I think he edges Jokic right now. Why? Embiid worked Jokic, worked him. So, you know... It, I, I Jokic had a good game that game, but I I do take a lot of stock in that. Uh MB didn't play the second time around, but that first time that they matched up this year, oh man, MB just worked Jokic brutally. So, um, you know, I'm gonna give Luca the nod here. I think Shea might be a little higher than than you guys are are saying right now, and at least in my opinion, he's just that good. In my opinion, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, but. Let's let's shift back to the Nets before we go back to the Mavericks a little back and forth here because the Mavericks did just pull off a trade to improve their front court. But the Nets, last thing uh, I want to hear from you guys about on the Nets here, 20 and 30, 10 games under 500. And that right now, you know, kind of in striking distance, but we'll see how they respond. Obviously, 10 games is 10 games uh, and they're four and six in their last 10. Game and a half, behind the Hawks, still an hour and a half to go in the trade deadline. If DeJounte Murray gets moved from Atlanta, Brendan, do you see the Nets potentially, maybe this is why they didn't give up that many many picks and they added more impact players right away. Are the Nets potentially trying to sneak into the play in here?
0: I I think they are. And I think they're, they're in a kind of situation where that's the best you'll get. And so that's what they're going for. I think, I mean, you have got you have some great players in guys like Mikal Bridges and Cam Johnson, and, and and these guys they're they're great players, but they haven't truly shown that they can be a number one on a good team. And so I think if you go and you and you grab a guy like Dejounte Murray, then you have a a, a good playmaking point guard uh, who can who can you know, make everyone, make all the players around him better. And he get, opens up the floor for guys like McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson, um, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Cam Thomas, even. And and those guys, I think, with the addition that you could, you could very easily sneak into that, that play in tournament, maybe as a as a nine or 10. I think that's what they should go for, because you really don't want to, you don't want to be at the bottom of the league, because you, you're in danger of losing that, your first round pick. Uh, to the rocket but that said a playing spot isn't much better uh, for for a team like that that's, that's most likely going to get bounced pretty quickly but yes I think that's what they are trying to do I think they might be getting some pieces saving up some, some players some, some draft compensation and, and maybe going out and take another move in the next hour and a half.
2: Yeah I think they're trying to make the play into it like you said Brendan that's really- really their only shot they're not going to be a contender in the playoffs I think they know that but I think they're obviously on somewhat of a rebuild it's obviously a little bit more in the future than right now but even a rebuild but to make the play-in is a lot better to not even make it at going into next season you know a lot of times people want to somewhat tank or what's the point of winning these games but I think there's a real point in developing culture with these guys you know you want to make a play-in for the next season so you can build on making a play-in you don't want to say all right now let's go make a play-in next season you want that already under your belt so I think it does help the Nets in some ways if they're able to win a few games in the play-in maybe they even win a play-in round and they're building momentum into next season I don't think always having such a retool rebuild losing mindset is as good for teams as a lot of people think.
1: Yeah, I think the Nets are definitely in this kind of retooling period because they're not the worst team, but they're not great, and they're, like, very bubble playing. That's why I label it as a retool, because they have pieces that will help them be, you know, the best team that they want to be out of a retool, um, you know, and they're making deals that are very retool-esque, not giving up draft capital, getting players to fill roles. Like Dennis Schroeder is a prime example of a guy that you're gonna bring in this year to try to make a push for you this year to do something. So a game and a half behind the the Atlanta Hawks, um the Nets can definitely try to squeeze in there. and then kind of like what you said, Evan,, uh, you know, you make it in uh, just like in baseball as well. I see it a lot in the NBA. If you just string together a win in the play and then you get hot and you win another that you just bought yourself a series who knows what happens in that series you're riding high off of those two big play-in wins especially if you're the nets most likely gonna have to win two play play-in games if you're the nets so we'll see man this today in about an hour and a half today is gonna the nba is gonna change a little bit we're gonna see how the conferences shake out so before we wrap it up here let's just talk about some of these big trades that happened today going down the list uh, Buddy Heald, he goes from Indiana to Philadelphia. What He landed in Indiana in the DeMontis Sabonis-Tyrese Halliburton trade on this day two years ago. Exactly. Uh, Buddy Heald, not the same scorer or even three-point shooter that we used to know him, but maybe could provide a little bit of a bench piece for the 76ers. Kelly Olenek, he goes to Atlanta. How about this one? Gordon Hayward. On his way to Oklahoma, that just smells like buyout city. But who knows? Maybe they won't buy him out and they'll use him as a bench piece. I don't know. It's just he seems like a player that would be bought out from Oklahoma City for whatever reason. But going to Charlotte in that trade is Trey Mann and Davis Bertans, Uh, the Knicks, obviously, and the Nets they made their trades let's go this direction i want to get brendan shorey's thoughts here being the dallas mavericks fan that he is pj washington and two second round picks they head to dallas in exchange for grant williams seth curry and a first round pick going to charlotte so to open up the trade discussion i'll start with you brendan first of all how do you feel about this trade and then Despite your fandom, how uh, what does this trade look like overall from an NBA perspective?
0: I'm I'm happy with this trade. I mean, if you you look at Grant Williams and his his role has been diminishing since the beginning of the year. His production has also been diminishing since the beginning of the year. Seth Curry never really had a huge role with us this season. We I was I was super excited when we signed him over the offseason uh, because he I mean he's had history with us and he, he was great when he played with us, but he just hasn't gotten the minute... That that we no any of us fans really kind of expected him to get and again, in those minutes that he has gotten he hasn't really done much with it and so trading these two guys who have greatly underperformed this year for for a good guy like like P J Washington who can who can go and a, a good forward who can go and give us minutes and and give us production that we were missing from Grant Williams as of recent and and even Seth Curry. I I love the trade. I think it, it makes the Mavs a whole lot better. It it, it gives us a, a better piece um, to use, um, and I, I'm I'm happy about. it. I mean, listen, he's he's not gonna play, so he's obviously he's not gonna play tonight, and and neither of those other two guys who we just shipped off. But but within within the next week, I think this Mavs team once they get the, kind of their chemistry down with him, and their nearly acquired uh, Daniel Gaffer. I think that they'll they'll be a team to mess with in the West. How this affects the NBA, it's to me it's it's pretty hard to say. I mean it it definitely isn't one of the flashier year trades. Uh, we, we we saw the those bigger those bigger trades already happen and, and it was really like the, the Knicks trade was one of them. But but looking at this this trade, I think that it it has a very minimal effect on the NBA, to be honest. I think it, it improves the Mavs, it, it helps out the Hornets. But as to what it does for for any other team, I don't see it doing a, doing a whole lot.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think it's I think it's good for the Mavs, definitely. I mean, you're getting a lot of things from Washington that you weren't getting from Seth Curry or Grant Williams. Washington, a better rebounder than them, you know, even a little bit better of a scorer than both of them right now. Seth has been injured as well; hasn't even. I think he's played in two of the last nine or ten games, so weren't really even seeing him on the court as you said williams role just keeps diminishing so bringing in a newer face and a guy who can do more of the intangibles than these guys when you have scores in the backcourt you have luca and Kyrie. you don't need more three-point shooters like seth curry you need more guys that can do the dirty work which washington can get down there and do so i think it's a good trade for them and i think you hit it on the nose with the nba i think it's i think it's good if you're the hornets too you want you want younger names you want a better pick but I don't think it's going to move the Mavericks super up or down or really make them more or less of a threat uh, in the NBA right now.
1: We got another trade that just happened while you guys, uh, we were discussing the PJ Washington trade. And it's actually, how about this? It's with the Nets and the Suns and the Grizzlies. Three-team trade. Royce O'Neal goes from Brooklyn to The Suns, as well as David Roddy from the Grizzlies to the Suns, the Nets are getting three second round picks and they're going to cover some salaries in this trade. All the details have not been released yet, but Royce O'Neal and David Roddy headed to Phoenix. And I just got another notification. There is another trade all happening live. Pat Bev on the move. He is going to Milwaukee. Let's talk about that right now, because that is an interesting trade. In my opinion, Pat Bev, he goes to Milwaukee. Obviously, that, that just seems like a corresponding move to make move, more room for Buddy Heald to come in in Philadelphia there. But, uh, Evan, how, as a bench guard here for the Bucks now, how does this Pat Bev trade make the Bucks look? Now, obviously, Pat Bev, not, you know, this superstar, really not any superstar trades that we've seen at all. Now, it's not like KD is getting traded this year. Um, but Pat Bev, good defensive guard coming off the bench now for the Bucks. What does that smell for, for the Eastern Conference?
2: I love it if you're the Bucks, I mean, you, you lost Drew Holiday. You lost the defensive guard that you had that, major team, such a good defensive perimeter team, and you added Damian Lillard, who's obviously, we all know Dame time Damian Lillard, but one thing he is not is a good defender. So you have Patrick Beverly right behind him when Dame needs a little bit of a break, when the offensive point guard is more of a threat than Dame maybe to come in and give you those full court guard minutes, those Pat Bev get on the ground and rip out a ball that I think the Bucs could use as well. I mean, any team loves a guy like Pat Bev because like I mentioned before, he's Mr. Intangible. And I think this is the perfect spot for him to be. Honestly, if you're Pat Bev, you you want a team where you just really can be that defensive point guard that you truly are.
0: Yeah, I, I love this move. I mean, I'm I'm a big Pat Bev guy, and I think I although controversial, I think he's electric. I think he he brings he brings the attitude and he brings the atmosphere to wherever he is. And I I love this trade for for both teams because you as as Philly, you do give. Hey, you're, you're making room. You're giving a bigger role to the newly acquired Buddy Hield. But as Milwaukee, you're like like Evan, you were saying, you lost Drew Holiday. You got Dame now, who is is not good at defense. And so now you're bringing in a, a defensive-minded guard who can come in and and kind of take over on that side of the ball whenever Dame gets out of the game. And so I, I think this is a great move for for both teams, especially for Milwaukee, since they're. Their defensive rating has been down this year and compared to years a few, in the past few years. So I think this is a great move to kind of revamp the defense, kind of get that defensive standard back up to where it was.
1: Full trade campaign and a 2027 20, second round pick are headed back to Philly for Pat Bev, who heads to Milwaukee. I personally do as well like this move for the Milwaukee Bucks. As a Knicks fan, I don't really love it because that's the team that the Knicks are trying to catch right now. But for the, for the Milwaukee Bucks, it's a very solid move, nice, solid a uh, veteran defensive point guard to have behind Damian Lillard, Lillard coming off the bench there. Uh, Doc Rivers, he'll love having Pat Bev. If I'm not mistaken, didn't Pat Bev used to play for Doc Rivers as well with the Clippers. At least it had to be the Clippers. I don't know about Philly at all. If this, um if Pat Bev had made a stop to Philly, but had to be the Clippers. So a little re uh, reconnection there for Doc Rivers and Pat Beverly, but, That's just about going to do it here on this edition of pick and pot a whirlwind of an episode for this week, as we are literally on the day of the trade deadline, the trade deadline in an hour and 19 minutes, approximately going to just continue to get moves. Three trades were made while we were discussing the trades that happened two hours ago. So lots, lots and lots of transactions going on in the NBA right now. It's going to be a whole different league at 3.01 p.m. Eastern this Thursday afternoon, and I'm really looking forward to it because after this is the home stretch, the stretch run, we got two weeks left in February, all of March and a half of April, and then it's postseason basketball time. Very, very exciting stuff, but that's going to do it for this edition of Pick and Pod. For Brendan Shorey and Evan Harkin, I'm Will Talent, and we say thank you for tuning in to this Trade Deadline Edition of Pick and Pot a Production of WFUV Sports.